morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And if you thought it was just a boring little weekend in college football, think again here in the second week of July. And Drew, a lot to get to. We'll talk about Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern here in a second. And then the commitments, they keep on coming. Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Miami, handful of other programs out west. We'll get to talking about them as well. But, Drew, I believe it is honeymoon week. Is that correct? It is, buddy. I headed out to Granada, the Island of Spice, I believe is the nickname on that. Um, you, you are going to have to explain that a little bit a little bit well, more. I've never heard that before. Like nutmeg is the number one export there. So <laughs> okay. there, you, there you go. Got it. How, how long are, uh, are you guys out there for? Uh, four or five days? I don't really know. I mean, I didn't. I didn't put anything together. I mean, let's be real. I, I, I've just now got into like the research on it here in the 48 hours leading up to the departure. Which makes me more excited about the trip for you because I know you. You work hard. You work hard. You play hard. But now you got a nice little trip. You, you know how I knew the honeymoon was coming. You texted me about which book I read on my honeymoon. <laughs> Which we talked about in California. I'm like, wait, why? I was like, when the heck is Drew going to be able to read a book? And then I realized you got a honeymoon coming up. Did you buy I, it? I haven't bought it yet. I don't. I don't know how to use the Kindle, so I need I need the wife to figure that out. Like, <laughs> that's on the list for today to figure before we. Because I don't even know if there's Wi-Fi there. Like, I'm assuming there's Wi-Fi, but I'm not. I'm not paying for, you know, extra. Like, if it's there, it's there. But that is not. I'm, I'm trying to go off the grid. I hear you, Coach. Well, four or five days, well-deserved. Excited for you and the wife. It's going to be a great trip. Let's talk a little college football, Drew, and this one wasn't on the rundown uh, coming in to the morning, I guess, until late afternoon. Pat Fitzgerald, head coach of the Northwestern Wildcats of 17 years. He is out after some hazing incidents that have been documented by the student newspaper at Northwestern. Originally suspended two weeks, uh, President Schill at Northwestern, along with a handful of other administrators, reverse their decision there. We won't go into detail about how they reached that conclusion, but that's another vacancy in, in college football at a Power 5 program, that one that is well-respected. And you have to give Pat Fitzgerald a lot of credit for the job that he has done at Northwestern, 110 and 101. I think that's his record over 17 years. Defense coordinator David Braun is now the active head coach. If I had to guess, that's probably on a trial basis over the next year. And then it, it, if you know, if, if I'm a guessing man here, they'll probably reevaluate after the season. But this close to the season doesn't seem like they have a lot of options. So, Drew, we won't jump into, I guess, our reaction on the story, but maybe some names that you would think makes sense. Go ahead, Drew. Well, yeah. So I know we're going to talk about names, but to me, like where my mind goes is like, all right, are kids going to be able to transfer freely? Like, is that, is that on the table? And then, you know, who, who could be poached from Northwestern's 23 recruiting class? And then the, in the 24 recruiting class, like obviously the 24 kids haven't signed anything that's binding, but like, that's where my mind has gone. Like, do they have, they obviously they don't have, you know, a first round draft pick and at a offensive tackle like they did last year, but you know, still some talented players out there. Just interested to see if the NCAA is going to give those guys an opportunity to transfer, and then in, you know who's going to come raid what they signed in, in twenty three and and what they have committed in twenty four. 
It's interesting. I kind of floated last evening on Twitter a couple names that I thought made sense. Drew, let me, let me know if there's one or two of these names that kind of stick out to you. Willie Fritz at Tulane, guest of the show. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, who's done a tremendous job there. Mike Elko, who had a great year one at Duke. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. His name's kind of been out there, flirtatious with a couple other programs. Don't really see that one happening, but a name to consider. Paul Christ, former head coach at Wisconsin-Madison. Chris Peterson, I, I could tell you that's more than likely not going to happen. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State. I put that one out there. I don't see that happening either, but if I'm Northwestern, I, I'm looking at it through their lens. I think that's a call you have to make. Dave Doran at NC State. You know, I don't know if there's just fatigue there. Maybe he wants to jump to the Big Ten. I do believe he is from the Midwest originally. And then Sharon Moore and, and, and David Shaw, right? So um, two guys there, Sharon Moore, offense coordinator at, at Michigan, rising star in the industry, David Shaw, obviously had a good run of success at Stanford. So Brian Hartline, another name to consider, Ohio State, newly minted offensive coordinator. So a lot of different names, Jeff Munkin, West Point, you know. I think a lot of people, I, I think before we kind of jump into the names, I mean, how do you view Northwestern as a job? And I think this is kind of where the conversation varies in opinion. I well, where do you stand? Because I, I mean, we haven't talked it's a, about it's this. a it's a difficult job, and I think a a lot of the way that people view Stanford, I think people view Northwestern and their admissions process as a crux, and I don't view it that way. I think if you have the right coach in there, that it can ultimately be an advantage. Now, you have to have one that understands the university, what they have to offer off the field as well. And Northwestern is one of the best degrees that you can get in the country. And it's a very unique academic program. And then you think about the money that they've invested in the Ryan Fieldhouse right there in Chicago. And you think about the opportunities, not so much with NIL, but life after football. You know, the names that I had mentioned, those are guys that I think have a little bit more to them than just football coaches. And they've done it at high academic institutions. That's what intrigues me. The one that intrigues me the most, Willie Fritz. And you and I have talked about this. Academics, culture, it's important to them. They're one of the best group of five talent evaluators in the country. Absolutely. So my read on the Northwestern opening, I guess it's an opening. Like, where does the school want to go? Like, what what direction does the administration? I mean, it's, I think, pretty embarrassing if you're a Northwestern alum. And there's a lot of a lot of them in the media. And it's just a bad look. So do like, where does what does the administration want to do? And I think what makes Northwestern attractive is you're in the Big Ten. All right, we talk about these super conferences forming, USC, UCLA coming on board. Like it is in one of the top two premier conferences. So I, I think that's makes it attractive. Agree with you in, in terms of some of those names that you tossed out there. I, I cannot see this as a job for, I don't know, like a, a guy that hasn't been a head coach before, an, an up and comer. I think it makes sense for, um, you know, someone that's older, someone that's done it. I think Fritz would make a ton of sense. You know, he was in the mix for the Georgia Tech job last cycle, right? Didn't 
I'm heavily. I think he actually yeah, yeah. ended up turning that one down. I was going to say, I heard he turned it down as well. Uh, one name that you threw out there that I kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit, Mike Elko. I think what he has done in a short amount of time at Duke is impressive from a recruiting perspective. Mentioned it a few weeks ago in the podcast. Like Duke's already done with their recruiting class here in the in the 2024 cycle. Like, so I think you need someone that's going to be active in terms of the evaluation process. Understand you have to get a certain type of individual. Um, Elko, I think it would be intriguing there at Northwestern. Assuming Northwestern is still all in on football. You mentioned that what it's a 280 million dollar facility that's right there on the lake. That practice facility. I mean, the videos of it from what I've seen are awesome. And then I think they're getting a new stadium as well. Is that that's in the works? I have to double check that. I'm sure Lance is already on the uh, already on the pine trying to figure that out. I mean, I I think Northwestern is a better job than people give it credit for. Part of that is the Big Ten. Part of that I do believe is the academics. I believe that's a plus if you have the if the right head coach. A lot of that is the 200 plus million dollar facility we just touched on. I think it can be a good job. I really do. And people say, hey, why would Jonathan Smith leave leave for that? Well, Jonathan Smith, I listen to him, but if I had to go back, it's, it is Big Ten football. That's really what it comes down to and the instability of the Pac-12. If I was a head coach, I'm, I'm at least picking up the phone. Now, I will say this, Drew. If you're Northwestern, I mean, you, you look at Pat Fitzgerald, it, that program, what he's done, over 17 years. I mean, he has built that program from the ground up. They won Big Ten West titles in 2018 and 2020. They have 13 active NFL players. I also believe they started the flat line. I think both can be true. Yeah. You look at the last three seasons, it's been a struggle. For me, I, like this is an opportunity if you're management over at Northwestern to get this right. And I agree with you. I, I don't see them going in a direction of hiring a first-year head coach. Obviously, with the situation that has just unfolded, I think that would be incredibly difficult. You need somebody who's proven. But if I was Northwestern, and Brian Hartline would be pretty enticing. I don't think he would take that job. All right, we don't need to spend too much time on Northwestern, but you want, you want to know what... I just, one, I just one, think it's an intriguing job. Go ahead. One name that I saw tossed out there that made me laugh, Lovey Smith. But I think that was like, hey, they go outside interim, you know, got to get through a season. But it, I, I didn't, I, I didn't think they would promote from within. Like, I didn't think that, to an interim tag. I, I didn't think that was on the table. So I like I, Lovey Smith a lot. I'm just trying to figure out when, when the last time he did something relevant was. Well, you need to, you need to tear that thing down to the studs. It sounds like. What you got, Lance? The last time Lovey Smith did something relevant, you have to go back to. Uh... Probably, I'm thinking the, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Well, no, I was going to say probably go back to when Devin Hester returned that kickoff in the Super Bowl that one game, even though they ended up losing with uh with the man Rex Grossman to the Colts. But uh, yeah, Lovey Smith would be would be quite the hire, almost as bad as Condoleezza Rice to the Browns that one time. I might remember <laughs> that, but uh, but nevertheless, I digress. Um, Northwestern is they are investing in football. I mean, this is from ABC Seven Chicago, an article from a couple months ago. Supposedly, they're going to submit the $800 million Ryan Field redevelopment plan to the city of Evanston. So they are going all in on building a new $800 million stadium that, however, will decrease capacity in their stadium 
by 12,000. So it's already a small stadium. It'll be even smaller. Um, but they are definitely going all in in terms of investment into football. The guy I like personally, and I told you guys this beforehand, there's only one guy that's had the experience of recruiting to a uh, school like Northwestern, and that's David Shaw. I really think they should go with David Shaw. I know he flatlined at Northwestern. Maybe all he needed was a new place, a new uh, some somewhere to re-energize him, somewhere to uh, to change it up. I think he'd be great at Northwestern. I'm gonna really- I'm gonna push back on that, and I'm gonna say that's a retread that he has lost his ability to. He had a great opportunity at Stanford, and they got complacent and they got content, and now you got a Stanford program that I believe is hovering around the top ten right now in recruiting. No, you're right. How much fun would it be, though, if Jeff Munkin brought the triple option to the Big Ten? I think Munkin's getting away from the triple option. Well, it's like a spread option away? now. And it's all because he wants a he wants a he wants a new job. Yeah, that makes sense. But it makes sense. Think about it, right? Northwestern is never going to compete with the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, et cetera, in recruiting. So if you can't compete with them in recruiting, develop an offense or bring in an offense that you don't necessarily need to recruit at that same level to win. I mean, it all depends what your goals are, right? I mean, we we have spent a lot of time on Northwestern. I don't see Northwestern going to the triple option. I mean, they were in the Big Ten Championship not too long ago. He's done a good job there. It's a niche job. You need a coach with vision who understands. And you need to develop players because it's not going to be easy to get transfers in. Let's be honest. They've done that. Right. Lance, I got this question. Northwestern opens. Yeah, I was about to bring it up. Is that a standalone game? That is a standalone Sunday CBS national game. I will be there. Uh, Hopefully when you guys will will come up to New Jersey and join me. I'm Uh, not spending my Labor Day weekend (laughs) in Piscataway. I'm letting you know right now. I will be there. Yeah. When when Northwestern comes to uh, comes to Rutgers and now look, if you're that game has juice now. That game had no juice. Now it has at least some storylines behind it. Whoever the interim head coach is, or maybe they make a hire, I don't know, but that'll be their first game. Now, I think the question I was wondering is, and I was going back and forth with a couple of friends of mine, am I, as a Rutgers, as someone who goes to Rutgers, is this a good thing for Rutgers or is this a bad thing, right? Because you could look at it as like, uh, I, I, would, I would have motivation now. I, like, would, uh, I would pencil this in as a win. As a win. Okay. From your lips to God's ears, man. I don't know. Ask Bud Elliott. He's the 61%. <laughs> Are we ready to move on? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Lance. <laughs> Always comes back to Rutgers. All right, Georgia, Drew. I, six commitments on the offensive line. They continue to to keep it rolling. Nair Daniels, Marcus Easley. I mean, Stacy Searles, man, you got get you have to give him credit because here's the other thing. I've been on this show being like, this is not a super deep or top heavy offensive line cycle. And you look at Georgia, and their answer to that has been okay, size and athleticism. And you look at every guy that they've taken, Calhoun, Daniels, Easley, Harrison, Tolliver. I'm missing one. Um, Uwani, Michael Uwani. Is that how you say it? Michael Uwani. Uwani? I don't know. I don't know. We'll come back to that one. Um, there's not a guy shorter than six foot five and a half. 
under 320 pounds. So to to give you an idea of what George is doing on the offensive line, like, you know, I tweeted out the other day. I mean, it's everybody knows it, but they have a type. I like what they're doing. I mean, all these guys to me are like, you got a couple guys easily kind of reminds me of Bo Hewley, who they took in the 23 cycle. You got Calhoun that I think can play tackle, but can kick inside if you need him. Nair Daniels, another guy you just got to melt down, get his body right, but really like him on tape. I mean, thoughts on this? I don't think any of this is a surprise. It's just, it's just like, okay, it's notable. So I wrote about this yesterday, and this is a historical offensive line haul. And it's short history. But the six linemen that they have committed, and someone in Athens told me they call it the Great Wall. I don't know if that's out there, but I thought that was pretty funny. They average 345 pounds per player. So I went through past five recru- past five years recruiting class for every SEC team to see if any of them averaged 345 pounds. And the answer is no. The closest one was Arkansas last year, 328 pounds. Like So this is a bunch of mass and ass, okay? <laughs> this is a big, big group. And I think what stands out about it is I think only one of those guys is a true interior projection. Now, that doesn't mean – all of them won't, you know, all of them are going to stay at tackle, but you got a bunch of interchangeable parts. You get them on campus, and I'm sure, yeah, some of them aren't going to pan out, but your volume shooting and your trench play, it, it, it's just going to be a, a massive, massive unit. And I mean, Nair Daniels, 6'8, 370, 85 inch wingspan, 11, 11.5 inch hands. Marquise Easley, 6'5, 342. I think he's the best of the bunch when it comes to to pulling and getting to the second level. Daniel Calhoun, just under 6'6", 365, 85-inch wing. Uh, Michael Yunani, I, I don't. I, we finally got measurements on him, over 6'6", 336 pounds. Marcus Harrison might be the, the steal of the bunch, kid out of Western New York. We've talked about him in the past, 6'7", 336. I mean, Georgia flew up there, saw him like work out in a gym, and then – went all in. I mean, this is just a unit. And I was out at uh, FBU's Top Gun camp over the weekend uh, in, in Naples. There was a few couple seniors there. Some All-American Bowl invites went out. But Chauncey Bowens, uh, the Georgia running back commit that they flipped from Florida, I mean, he's a rocked-up 225-pound running back. And it's like, all right, you see this guy. You know what they have up front. Like the power run game is going to go there. And then we always talk about it with Dylan Rayola. Like this is someone who can attack the deeper third with his arm. I just think all we do is talk about Georgia's defense. But now you look at this offense and some of the other pieces they have committed. And it's like, whoa, all right. Like this unit is changing. Somebody somebody tweeted the other day and they said, you know, the rest of the country better look out. Kirby Smart is recruiting at a pace that, you know, we've never seen before freaks with athletic ups. He's been doing that since 2016. Well, I think they're doing it on offense now. The rest of the country, look out for what? They won the last two national championships. <laughs> they're not on your radar. Then your head's been in the sand. Can I can I say something else when I, uh, when I did that research on all the offensive line classes? Every school is getting bigger up front if you look at the past five years. And the other thing? If you're not taking four or five offensive linemen a cycle, guess what? Your 
your offensive line normally sucks. <laughs> Volume shoot. Yeah, we talked about the rule of thumb. I mean, at least you want, in terms of quantity, 15 per position room when it comes to the offensive line. Anything below that, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a red number. So, I'm just saying I, that there are some schools out there where it's like back to back years, two and three guys. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, especially with attrition, you know. And I think every program's different, um, but I agree. I think it's it's better to be a little bit more cautious uh, and add the additional number or two at the offensive line position. Drew, on the defensive side of the ball, a guy that we haven't really talked about, Joseph Jonah Ajanye from Texas, number 11 defensive lineman in the country. He commits to the dogs as well on Thursday. I like this kid. I We got him number 65 in the country. I, yeah. I think he can shoot up the board. He kind of reminds me of Drake Jackson, who played at USC, got drafted uh, recently. Big, long, freaky position versatile i think he's just starting to figure it out i mean this is one that you look at and you're like again how they get their hands on this type of guy 16 years old he's only 16 and born in nigeria just under 6'4 255 82 inch wingspan Dude, you put on the the junior highlights like the first five clips is is just effort plays motor runs hot all over the field, chasing people down. You said he's just now starting to figure it out. And I'm I'm absolutely with you, which is scary because once he does figure it out and he already plays with that competitive temperament and is willing to, you know, play through the whistle. I mean, this is a guy that Georgia, you don't have to play him every snap, but man, they keep finding these individuals and restocking that that defensive line room. I like he's gonna come in and push everyone else there in Athens. So I love the pickup. I hadn't really dove too much into him. Agree with your assessment. I think he's a guy that could be a riser. Someone we're excited to see as a senior and then hopefully at one of these all-star games. I don't know if he's in in either all-star game. Uh, well, we need to make that call. We have any influence at all. That, that we would don't. be the we, one. We, we don't. <laughs> all right, let's talk uh, a little SEC East. We'll stay there. Florida Gators, number three class in the country right now if you're a Florida fan. Feeling pretty good, feeling pretty confident. I see the Florida fans out there rocking the boat, just try to get their rankings right. Fletcher Westfall, Westfall, excuse me, number 20 offensive tackle. He pops Monday morning. Drew, speaking of big boys, right? You're talking about the SEC getting bigger in the trenches. 6'8, 329, six foot nine wing. <laughs> in May of this year. He actually ran a 5.2740 and a 4.75 shuttle. 37 and a half inch arms. Colored me skeptical there. That's okay. Even oh. if you're an inch or two off, you're in still really good shape. But big get, big nimble body. I think the biggest thing with him is playing with a little bit more shock, a little bit more force in his hands. Outside of that, hard to find guys his size that can move the way he does. All right. We just gave Georgia's O-line class all this love, but I do like what Florida's doing here. In the 24 cycle, we always bring it up. Not really a good year for tackles. We're still kind of looking for them. Florida, they have four guys committed. Two of them are from the DMV. One of them's from Germany, and the other's from Georgia. So, like, they've realized, hey, 
you know, maybe maybe we can't get these dudes in our backyard, so we're going to go scan the country. And I saw Fletcher Westfall at the Baltimore Under Armour camp. He was one of my favorite tackles at that event. He is absolutely massive. Agree with you on the 37-inch arm measurement because there was another 37-inch arm measurement uh, at that camp, and that was Mike Williams, who Florida flipped from South Carolina. I, I, those are my two favorite senior tackles at that camp, and it, it was a pretty good – camp if you want to talk about trench play I, I think mike williams for us i mean we have him as like a 85 i i, I would if it was up to me I, I i'd move his grade up a little bit in the rankings but i i like this unit again like not a really super loaded year obviously georgia is hoarding all these big bodies and then florida goes against clemson for fletcher westfall goes against south carolina for mike williams uh, they also got Marcus Maskell out of Georgia, and then and then the German kid Noel. You saw, right? Did you not see him overseas? Or I did, I did. Yeah, big body, nimble. Like mom's like think... a figure skater or something like yeah, that. I didn't compute to me that he'd be playing in the SEC when I was over there in Germany. If you would have told me that that trip would have yielded two SEC players going to Florida and Alabama, I would have said you're crazy. Well, but what, anyway, what, what do I know? Right? What's your what's your take on the on the Euro craze right now? From an like from the other side, because I've I've had yeah, some... I think there's there's a little bit of intrigue because of the unknown, right? And I think you can kind of get pulled in by the potential. And you know, we Drew, you and I have had conversations with collegiate personnel that have talked about maybe some of the positives and some of the negatives that comes with international prospects, right? And if they haven't played the sport for a long time sometimes it's hard to build up that football iq football iq instincts spatial awareness the equity that comes with experience and reps and you know and in, in, in the case of the offensive lineman going to, to florida he was a he was a big guy that could bend that i thought in the right system you could melt down and maybe play tackle on a, in a power scheme, but ultimately could end up inside at the end of the day. That being said, the other part about this is there's a lot of growth that can happen over a 12-month span because they haven't played the game a lot, right? So what they've been exposed to, the reps that they've had, it's different, right? And then, you know, when we're going to talk about Alabama here and the linebacker that they took out of Germany, Justin Okoraquanko, Coraquano. Coraquano. We just need somebody on here that can help us with pronunciation. It just bothers the hell out of me. Anyway. Well, we're getting international. So like maybe right. maybe maybe that's in the I know. We got to do a little bit more prep work. Anyway, he um I think it I think it's Justin Akuronquo. Okay. <laughs> just throwing my two cents. Okay. Anyway, he uh gymnastics background. Super flexible. You watch him warm up. He's he's pretty dynamic. And then when the pads come on, he's really physical, but he's got no idea what he's doing. He's playing fast. He can trigger. He plays downhill. And he's kind of a read and react type of guy. Now, that being said, he went to Alabama and he earned a committable offer. And I think some of the reps that I saw from him, they kind of liked him off the edge which wouldn't surprise me 
much easier to that's a different conversation right if you're saying hey i just need you to get to a to b use your flexibility your speed to power which he had a little bit more there than i think we initially thought which was which was hard to see that so um I don't know. Good case studies, right? I mean, we'll we'll find out. We'll look at these specifically in a couple of years from now. The other one was Julius Welshoff that we took at Michigan. Another one from Germany had a skiing background. Guy that's ended up becoming a rotational player for them at Michigan with a chance, I, I think, to have NFL aspirations. So what's in the body? That's what it comes down to, right? If you got to go to Europe to get it, it is what it is. I think it's it's certainly in right now. I just feel more comfortable with the guys that pop up at one of these Clearwater Academy internationals. Uh, what is it, Raybon Gap up in the Georgia North Carolina border? Like it's easier to feel a little bit more comfortable if they get one year under their belt. I think that's a great point. I mean, you think about it like you know um, Brandon Collier who runs PPI, you know, who is the one that is associated with these two international prospects who are going to play in the SEC. We, we have conversations and a lot of our dialogue surrounds well, what, what can they do from a ranking standpoint? It's difficult because the exposure is limited. Sure. I, we went out to Germany and we saw them live and move around, but at the end of the day, you got to see it on tape. And they do both of these guys do some things on tape. That being said, comparing that to what is being played in the States is very difficult, right? So these camps, combines, footage that we have exposure to, live exposure, they're all really important for them. I heard from veteran college coach who has a international kid committed here to a group of five program. But they said they felt comfortable about that taking that kid because that kid's father had played in NFL Europe and he had been following the game since he was a child. Thought that was an interesting take. I'm not saying that's that's the right way, but it seems like everyone's still trying to figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So it'd be be interesting. I mean, he got the offer, and then I think he was. I mean, he was committed to Maryland. I don't yeah. know the exact timeline, but it was quick. I mean, as as soon as. That one was uh, all said and done after you got the committable offer from Alabama. So, um, and if you're Alabama, you must have really liked him in person. You must have really liked him in person for the way that you've been recruiting that edge linebacker spot the last couple of years. Yeah, like Yonze Pierre. Yonze Pierre, Keon Keeley. I mean, you think of some of the the players but, that they've been but, able to but, bring but, in. But but maybe bring getting those two last cycle allows you to be like, all right, like roll the dice here a little bit. But that's not how all Alabama's operated in the past. Right. That's fine, you know, as Georgia goes and gets Joseph Jonah Ajanye, you know. So we'll see. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Zabian Brown, the other one, drew a little bit of a uh, – I don't know if it, if it was a surprise or not. I mean, I, I talked to some people that maybe thought it was number four corner in the country from modern day. I like this kid. I, I think he's kind of built to play in the SEC. Big physical press corner, can run. He, he's – I think if you wanted to put the label on him, he's kind of the guy that maybe doesn't have the upside of some of the other corners in the class. But in terms of knowing how to play the position and knowing what you're getting, he's pretty battle tested. He might be my favorite corner in the in the 24 cycle. I've been pounding the table for Xavier Brown, I think since January. Interesting that you said you think he can be like a press man guy because I think he's at his best in off coverage. Technically, he is he is so buttoned up, and you're right. You know, might not have this super high ceiling, but. I think he's a high floor prospect. You know, everyone wants to talk about track times, this and that. It's like, all right, the kid's 11-1-3. He is fast enough. I, I think he's over six foot. We don't have verified, but that's just the eye test. I, I think he – and he's cut his teeth in the in the Trinity League. You know, when they played Malachi Nelson in Los Alamitos last season, he had a pick six, five tackles, and, and two pass breakups. And – I'm a big fan. I thought he was a a layup for USC. And then I thought Ohio State was going to be in there, Oregon as well. Um, so I, I'm a big Xavier Brown guy. I always have been. And Alabama, man, talk about their cornerback class. It, it it could be the best in the country. They have Xavier in the boat. Jameer Grimsley, a kid they beat Michigan and Florida for a few weeks ago. He's a 6'2 kid out of two-way player out of, out of the Sunshine State with uh, some developmental upside. Uh, and then they got Jalen Mbakwe committed, who three-phase player could probably be a wide receiver for a lot of schools. I, I, I would play him in the slot as a slot defender, just given how explosive he is, how he changes direction. So those three, and then there's still some meat on the bone out there. Yeah, I think they're going to get Kobe Black in for an official visit, who's a five-star for us, Charles Lester top 64 prospect you know he's set to announce in a few weeks so uh, last year it was Caleb Downs at safety now they're loading up on the perimeter in the secondary what are the tide number 14 right now in the rankings yeah so got a couple of friends that know what I do and I thought this was a great question someone said hey where where the hell's Alabama right now I remember doing this exact episode last year are you? I mean, are you concerned? Reason to panic? I don't. No. <laughs> I mean, you know this, Drew. How many? How many times are we going to do this? Fourteenth overall, sixth in the SEC. But I, they could be number We're July eleventh. They could be number seven by Saturday. They're also what? the highest ranked team with the least amount of commitments. Well, they got twelve, right? Correct. I bet you by the fewest of anybody else in the top 15 is Clemson with 14 at 12. I, 
I bet you they are in the top 10 by Saturday. Casey Poe, number five interior offensive lineman. I think he announces Wednesday, Alabama trending there. And then Caleb Oden, number six tight end. He's on Saturday. I use the class calculator, and I think that would get them up to number seven. Yeah, I mean, Drew, I mean, think about it. Pound for pound, right? Julian Sane, number two quarterback in the country. And Bakwe, we talked about him, one of the most dynamic athletes. Perry Thompson, the man they call Uno. Right? Is that big his nickname? Mm-hmm. Big fan of him. Zabian Brown, they go out to California. Jeremiah Beeman, big position position versatile hog on the defensive line. Caden Jones, we like. Sterling Dixon has some developmental upside. In-state take, Jameer Grimsley, you're a fan of. 6'3 corner. Rico Scott out of PA. Polished. Linebacker from Germany, Joseph Ayanata. They're going to be they're fine. They're always fine. Those are good. Those are really good players. So if you're worried about Alabama, don't don't be. I promise. All right, let's talk a little bit of Miami. Drew, they uh, get a commitment from Derek Plaz, number 73 offensive tackle in the country, former Penn State commit. Hurricane sitting at number 19. Drew, your thoughts on where Miami is right now? I was going to ask you. I wanted. To, I want your thoughts on where Miami is. I wish if they were in the batter's box, we're using this analogy, I wish they had more plate discipline. And what I mean by that, I mean, is it's I wish they had more take discipline. You know, Mario Cristobal recruits harder than any other coach that I've been around. And, you know, for, for what it's worth, I like, honestly, I don't maybe Kirby smart. Those two have to be the most relentless recruiters in all of college football. I would say Mario Cristobal and Kirby Smart. You know, Lightfoot's a big get. I like Kevin Riley. I like Chance Robinson. I like Elijah Lofton. I like some of the things that they've done. I just think top to bottom, they can be better than what we've seen so far. And I think they've taken some good, good, solid players. I just think there's room to elevate. And I think, you know, we talk about like when we talk about Kirby Smarter, we talk about Dan Lanning or and maybe Dan Lanning's not in that conversation yet, but some of the guys at the top, and we just talked about Alabama. You could go through Alabama's 12 commitments and you can see why they took every single player. And every player fits within their position specifics for every position. And I think Miami and Mario Cristobal are incredibly capable of doing that top to bottom. And I think there's a variance that we've seen in Mario's past. It says, all right, here's the top third of the class. And then here's here's the middle part and here's the bottom part. And it's like, well, how the hell did we get here? And I think, you know, I'm like, it's it's solid. But for what they need to do and where they need to go and where they where their aspirations are, I think there's a there's room to improve. I don't have a crystal ball. Is that a fair take? Before we, that is a fair take. What you you want me to? You want me to? No, I'm not asking you to validate it. I mean, I know people are going to push back on it, but I mean, that's just my opinion. I think how the class finishes will be dictated a lot by what, what it looks like on the field in, in 2023 for Miami. 
Now, what I was going to say, I don't have a crystal ball. Had an interesting phone call yesterday. If I did, if I was still making crystal ball picks, I would have mine on Miami for Josiah Trader, number four athlete. There's some buzz down here that I think Miami's in line to get good news with Josiah Trader. Win, I don't know, but I think I would view Miami as the team to beat. If they get him, I think that helps them with Zaquan Patterson, number four safety. So I think Miami has room room to climb. I don't think it's time to panic just yet. Yeah, I don't, I'm with you. Nobody's panicking. If the, the, there's anything we know about Cristobal is that he's going to finish strong, right? There's always going to be a name or two that maybe you didn't expect that they'll get in the boat. I think it's just, you know, this, this time of year, you got 16 commitments. How do you feel about, how do you feel about six through 16? That's my question. You know, it made I, I, feel, I, feel really I, good about the, the first six guys. Fair. I think that's fair. So, you know, and they might feel really good about it. So it is what it is. Just, just my opinion. Um, Okay, Drew, big week of commitments coming up, and I think Lance put the most difficult names to uh, pronounce on here, another name. Lance, I'm going to do my best. Anelu Lafele, number 21 edge, picks between Wisconsin, Washington, Arizona State, and Hawaii. That was a good job. Thank you. On Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, and that is on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Then we have Kamar Mathudi, number 18 linebacker. That's uh, a West Coast battle. Oregon, Utah, Washington, Michigan State also in there as well. Heavy. That's Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Jaden Jackson, Drew, name that we have talked about quite a bit on this show. Number 41 defensive lineman. Florida, Miami, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas, all involved. That would be on Thursday, 5 o'clock Eastern time. That would be on the college football recruiting show. And then a couple to round it out, Braylon Russell. Number 22, running back, Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, Baylor. Friday, 745 Eastern, and then Preston Tamua. Number 11, interior offensive lineman, Arizona, Auburn, Nebraska, and Oregon. That's be Saturday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Drew, five names there. Read out a handful of them. Um, One or two that you're excited about. Jaden Jackson. Um. I don't even think there's a crystal ball pick in for him, right? I mean, that can go in any different direction. I kind of like not having a crystal ball. That way you have the mystique of not knowing where these guys are going. Right. Obviously, he is – well, I shouldn't say obviously because it's his name's Jaden Jackson, but he is Polly. I believe he was born in – or he lived in Utah, but he played his freshman year in Indiana – before heading to IMG Academy. So, you know, rule of thumb, like where does he usually be like, all right, he's going to go back to that region. But you look at his list of schools all around the country, um, talked about him after the IMG Academy spring scrimmage. I just did the evaluation for him on his profile. Like, man, there's a there's a lot to like with him. Space eating nose. I think he could play in a an odd or an even front. Um, you know, big hands, uses those hands low to the ground. I'm, I'm really interested to see where he goes and where he ends up. Cause I think he's going to play on Saturdays for sure. 
I want to highlight Kamar Mathudi. I like him. Linebacker. He doesn't have a strong testing profile, but in terms of production, he's pretty elite. Three-phase player. Very sudden. Good athlete in space. It's one of those West Coast battles. I'm going to be pretty pretty interested to see what happened. And like I said, Mel Tucker, he's in there as well. So I got one more I want to highlight. Go ahead. Braylon Russell. Have you have you buzzed this kid? I have not buzzed him. Okay. I think it's Arkansas, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Baylor are his finalists. Arkansas has the lone crystal ball prediction. Popped on the tape. Dude, I see, I see some Rocket Sanders. A little bit bigger, but there is some Rocket Sanders with this kid. And they're kind of comparable. I mean, Russell's listed at 6'1", 230. I've seen him at 225 in some places. Rocket Sanders, a kid I saw a bunch in high school. He was 6'2", 210. Both of them in that 11'3", 11'4", range. Um, Arkansas, I think that would that would just continue what they want to do. And, man, if they get him in the boat, talk about that recruiting class with the perimeter playmakers, Courtney Crutchfield, Norrell White. We'll see if he plays offense or defense. K.J. Jackson's a quarterback we've shown some love to. Uh, I said it last year, Arkansas signed what was the heaviest O-line class in a while. I like that offense. I think Arkansas has got the best 25th ranked recruiting class in July I've ever seen. Who who was that last year? Wasn't there some class we were just gushing about? <laughs> I think I gotta, there was. There was a handful of them. Writing articles in May about recruiting class. I remember it was like Northwestern and Cincinnati were like in the top 10. <laughs> no, there was definitely like a recruiting class that we like loved. Who was it? Uh, uh, Arkansas. Charleston Collins. Aston Bethel Roman, Courtney Crutchfield, Kavian Henderson, Noriel White, Julius Pope, KJ Jackson, TJ Metcalf. Big fan of him. Pretty good. Pretty good. Don't sleep on the hogs. You heard it here for, first from the Oyster Boys. But I, okay, you said you, you don't like this this right now just because a lot's going to change and, and a lot will change, but it is nice to be able to talk about classes where there's like multiple guys at a position, right? You're like, okay, like this is probably one of the top offensive line halls. All right. This is one of the top cornerback halls. Like, I mean, you're is- not wrong. Georgia's got 26 commits. Ohio state's got 18. Florida's got 18. Michigan, 25. USC, 17. Penn state, 22. Notre Dame, 20. Georgia signed 26 players last year. They have 26 committed right now. Well, the new rule, right, is that it's just got to be under 85. It's like the NFL. You just got to get to 53 at the end of the day, right? It's not no longer 25 initials. You can sign as many as you want. You okay. know, but uh, to to your point, what you were just saying is this is not now that the summer OVs are behind us. I would say the majority of the hay is in the barn, and I think a lot of programs are now shifting to this philosophy because of what you said with the transfer portal. Now they get to focus on football in the fall, and then whatever they need to do in terms of talent acquisition can be focused via the transfer portal. Right. So Robbie Weinstein desk, you know, covers Vanderbilt, also does a bunch of national stuff for, for 24-7 sports. He, he asked me, he's like, 
given the sheer volume of commitments, why do you think this is? And I gave him a few answers. I think number one, coaches are twisting arms. They're like, hey, I'm going on vacation. Are you in? Are you out? I think we saw some of that. I think another thing too is with these transfer portal windows, right? There's not a window open right now. It doesn't open till what? December 15th, correct? Yeah. Like you can't look at transfers. Like, yeah, you can have a scouting department scouting power five rosters and whatnot. Like I, I just think all the focus right now is on recruiting. We'll get one last weekend here in July and then it's just full go football. Right. And then we'll get to Thanksgiving senior, senior tape. Some schools will evaluate senior tape and then we'll get out the spatula as, as Steve Wolfong likes to say. Never ends. My friend never ends. All right, Drew final thoughts before we get out of here. Um, I don't know. I, I had something written down for you. I can't, I can't remember what it was though. I don't know. Drink of a... choice on the honeymoon. What is it? Well, Tom Loy has been to this resort. I'm going to Tom was... Loy is a resort fanatic. I know. I, I want his, uh, <sighs> his vacation lineup. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, he, he was saying that there's like some daiquiri with, with, uh, bananas in it. And then, uh, I don't know. Is it, is it a banana daiquiri? That's a thing. <laughs> well, the one thing I did read at this resort is they have nutmeg ice cream for the, the Island of Spice. So. Makes sense. Makes sense. Tom Loy, man, like, I just, I'm going to spit on him for a, a second here. He, he's, he's got like this, he like sponsored by like Duckhorn or something. Roback. Roback. He's a Roback bro. He's a Roback bro. Everything's Roback. Dude's got the the hookup on the links. Always playing golf. Yeah, he was at he was at the Rocket Mortgage last week, like hanging out with Ricky Fowler's like family. I'm like, what? Unbelievable, man. We're gonna have to get him on the show, grill him about that. Using all the connects, Lance. Any final thoughts, brother? No, I mean, vacation was good and uh, much needed. And uh, Ivan's, hope you have a good time on yours. Dude, it's going to be a lot of uh, reading my book. Are you working out while you're there? You're not going to do like CrossFit with like a bamboo stick or something, are you? Well, I, I am. I think I'm going to do a half marathon, boys. <laughs> so there's going to be some miles that are going to be done on this island. Are you going to play any go. golf? Is there a golf course on the resort? No. Ooh. I'll be watching the Tour de France. I'm all in. Ooh. There you go. Live strong, baby. Uh, if you're looking for a Netflix series to watch, watch the one on the Tour de France. I'm 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 hooked. Hooked. When did that come out? I think like two months ago. Yeah, it's we're we're doing a lot of spitballing today. All right, let's get out of here, guys. If uh, you're listening to the 24/7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts, including Spotify and apple also the mailbag getting getting quite popular got to give producer lance a lot of credit you might see it on twitter but if you have a question you want to go the traditional route make sure you ask it by leaving a review but it's a good spot to leave your question as well if you got a question for me or drew that is the place to drop it so for producer lance for the honeymoon kid andrew ivan we will see you next